Welcome to the Prospector's Pickaxe, Mining Human Potential. As I thought about my topic for today, I was taken back to the memory of one of my former students years ago. And it reminded me of two things. It reminded me of the short story called The Stone Boy by Gina Berrialt. And this was originally published in 1957. And basically, it's a story about a little boy who gets up one morning before his brother. And he and his brother are supposed to go out and pick peas before the sun comes up. But this little boy loves to duck hunt. And he gets his rifle. And his older brother says, it's not rifle season. But the little boy takes the rifle anyway. So they head out to the field. It's dark out. And down by the lake before they get to the to the pea patch to pick peas. They have to cross a fence. The older brother goes through the fence first. And the younger brother goes second. As he's crawling through the fence, the gun goes off. And he expects to hear his brother chastise him for not being safer and being an idiot and that kind of thing. And he notices his brother's quiet. His brother's laying on the ground. He walks over, tries to rouse him sees blood on his neck and realizes that his brother is dead, that his gunshot killed him. Now that part of the story is sad, but what's really sad is this little boy goes on to pick peas. And when he's finished, he goes back home and finds his family awake and proceeds to tell them that his brother is dead. At first, they didn't believe him, so they went out into the uh, pea patch, and there he was. The dad took him to the sheriff's office later that afternoon, and the sheriff determined that, you know, he wanted to know, did these boys get along? What's the, you know, what could be the underlying problem? And uh, his conclusion is, that this little boy either is incapable of feeling anything or is just too stupid to realize what it is that he's done. Little boy and his father go home and they have a very quiet dinner. He tries to go to sleep that night and in the middle of the night he gets scared and he wants to go into where most of us would go as little boys or little girls when we were afraid. He went into his parents' bedroom. And his mother's response to him was, Oh, so nighttime is when you get afraid. And the little boy went back to his room. He really wanted to tell her how scared he was when that happened to his brother. He really wanted to tell her the pain that he was in, how he couldn't fathom the fact that his brother was gone. He really wanted to tell her how sorry he was. 
And he really wanted to tell her the depth of the pain that he felt. The story ends by the little boy going out into a field to chase a calf that's gotten loose. And there's really no resolution. Now, when you hear the story, it's easy to understand why they call it the Stone Boy. It's, uh, in some regards, a story about a little boy who just doesn't have any feelings or is stupid. I don't think it was either. I think it was a little boy who was completely and totally wrecked and traumatized. I say this because in my experience as a principal, I've met the stone boy. This child had gotten into trouble a number of different times and I had him come into my office and we were talking. He was young, uh, primary grades, K through two. And we were talking about his behavior because he would yell and he would be disrespectful to the teacher and he would get mad and say bad things about himself. And as we talked and got to know one another, he shared with me that he does get sad sometimes because one day he and his dad went out because his mom hadn't come home. And according to the little boy, they drove all night trying to find her. And they found her car in a ditch. And mom was dead. Now he told me this story the same way that I might tell somebody about a football game or my drive to work was very matter of fact and without emotion. And there were some folks who said, there's something wrong with this kid. Like he doesn't have any feelings. What is going on with him? I don't think that was it at all. I think I had a little boy in front of me who had no words for the pain that he had felt. No words for the loss that he had felt. No words for how to express that he needed help to get back to a place where his world felt normal. My story ends a bit like the other little boys did in that he went on to a different school and I haven't heard how he's doing or from him since. But as I thought about the stone boy and I thought about this child, I thought about my own experiences as as an administrator and how as administrators we can get what's called um, compassion fatigue. And compassion fatigue is real. If you're a leader in a school, especially maybe a low income or a Title I school where you've got young people who are coming to you having experienced things in their lives, then none of us would ever really be able to uh, or hope that our children would never experience. Yet they show up to school every day and we're there for them. And it can take a toll. Man, can it take a toll. They're the kids who we come home at night and we think about and we worry about and we make calls to Child Protective Services about and we pray for and then we show to work, show up to work the next day. And a similar thing happens again. 
and again and again. And as an administrator, that can get very tiring, very taxing, and it can wear us down. What I have found is that through mindfulness, through prayer and meditation, through physical activity and working out, I'm able to take better care of myself. So if you're an administrator out there, or you're a teacher out there who's teaching in a Title I school or in a low-income school, or just deal with kids who go through difficult things every day. And when you have a school with a thousand kids in it, there are a thousand stories that come with those kids. Some good, some negative. But when you're an administrator who really cares, all of them touch your heart. And if as administrators and leaders, we don't take care of ourselves, we're less likely to be able to take care of those who we're in charge of leading. So for me, I pray, I meditate, and I work out. And it does seem to help. You know, there's a philosophy by Marcus Aurelius, who was a a Roman warrior. And his philosophy was called the Stoic philosophy. He was kind of the, the leader of this philosophy. And he said that, you know, Stoicism is, when I think of that term, I think of somebody who is uh, void of feeling or without feeling. And that's not what the Stoics believed. It's not a lack of feeling. It's an acknowledgement of feeling. But it's a concerted, conscious effort not to dwell in those feelings that are not to our benefit. It doesn't mean we don't feel them. It doesn't mean things don't hurt. It doesn't mean we don't cry. What it means is we don't dwell in it. We don't live in it. We don't allow it to take control of us. So as I I heard about this philosophy, and you know, this is a guy who had seen battle and death. He would, he said in one of his meditations that everything that happens happens to my benefit. Now that's a tough one to swallow from a lot of different perspectives. I think part of it is a religious perspective that if this is happening, you know, what, what, um, what entity allows what higher power can allow for a young boy to lose his mother and not be able to deal and you know i i think what's important is not that we don't ask those questions but that we do and that on a certain level we accept that there are some things in this world that we're not capable of changing There are some things in this world that happen that are not good, that are bad, that are painful, that hurt. Our challenge as leaders is to not only in ourselves, but in other people, help them to find the the silver lining, the benefit, the, the, the obstacle that they are able to overcome that will make them a stronger person. You know, whenever I applied for this principal position, I called a friend of mine whenever I was considering applying. And he said, Chris, are you afraid of it? And I said, uh, absolutely, I'm afraid of it. And he said, well, Chris, that means you got to do it. 
Things don't happen by accident. God wouldn't bring you this far to drop you now. And the answer to what you want out of your life lies on the other side of that fear. Now, pain, I've heard it said that pain is a part of life. But suffering is optional. And when we have students and administrators who experience pain, I think sometimes we don't know how to deal with the suffering that comes with it. And it can't just be a matter of, oh, I'm just going to forget about it. I'm going to push that aside. That, In my experience, that doesn't work. What does work, though, is for me to have a conversation with my God, with my higher power. To ask for guidance and how I can be of service in that situation. And then to just show up and do the next right thing. I've lost students in my career as a principal and it's been incredibly painful, incredibly painful for these families and, and for the teachers and the community. But the one thing that I know, and I don't know why those things happen, but I know that my job is to show up. And if you're an administrator or a leader in leadership, our job is to show up. We have to show up. And showing up doesn't just mean being there physically. Showing up means acknowledging the pain, feeling the pain, but continuing to move forward. As a young man, I thought strength was not feeling pain. Strength was not crying. Strength was not being vulnerable. Over time and over very hard lessons, because I tend to be a person who learns best from experiencing pain, what I've learned is that strength is being vulnerable. Strength is persevering. Strength is shedding tears. Strength is feeling it, moving through it, taking care of myself, and then showing up. There's a song by, if any, any of you who know me know that I am a huge Garth Brooks fan, and there's a song by Garth Brooks called Standing Outside the Fire. And in that song, he says, the strong are not the ones who stand outside the fire. The strong are the ones who get close. The strong are the ones who are willing to get burned. And that doesn't mean we plunge headlong into pain. What it means is we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and to feel and to risk being hurt. Because risking being hurt and being vulnerable are what are real. And in my experience, what most people I know like, what I like, is a real experience. And as a leader, I can't deny that there's pain. As a leader, I can't deny that there's difficulty. I can't deny that obstacles are hard to overcome. But what I can do is say that regardless, there is a silver lining. 
as the prospector would say. There is gems. There is a gem of value underneath the hard rock and shale. My job is to pick away at it. My job is to clear away the rock and the shale so that I can get to what's important and get to the lesson and see what's a benefit to me inside difficult situations. As a leader, we're challenged with a lot of different things. If you're a school leader, you're not only challenged with bringing about positive change academically in your school, you're charged with bringing a staff of maybe 60, 70, in some cases 100, 150 people together to move in a common direction who are all leaders themselves of another group that may be 1,000, 2,000 strong. My experience is that we can't lead if we don't feel. And if we feel, we can't get locked into that pain and suffer because suffering is a choice. Pain is a part of life. So if you're a school leader, I encourage you, feel the joy. Feel the pain. Feel the stress. Accept the challenge. And then swing like hell. And chop away the shale and the rock that hide the lesson and the gem that is inside. This has been the Prospector's Pickaxe and I'm Chris Lineberry mining human potential I thank thank you very much for listening I hope you got something out of this if you did leave me a comment or share with a friend